singers and I, Ed Peters, welcome you to another broadcast of What's New. We return today to Acts chapter 17, moving on to verses 22 through 31. These verses give us Paul's message that he delivered to the men of Athens on Mars Hill. Paul had been speaking in the synagogue and in the public square to all who happened to be there, sharing the gospel with the Athenians. Then Luke tells us that he had an encounter with some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers. It was these men that invited him to the forum on Mars Hill. Come and tell us more about this new religion, they said, for you are saying some rather startling things, and we want to hear more. So Paul, standing before them at the Mars Forum, addressed them as follows. Men of Athens, I noticed that you were very religious, for as I was out walking, I saw your many altars, and one of them had this inscription on it, To the unknown God. You have been worshiping him without knowing who he is, and now I wish to tell you about him. He made the world and everything in it, and since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples and human hands can't minister to his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything and satisfies every need there is. He created all the people of the world from one man, Adam, and scattered the nations across the face of the earth. He decided beforehand which should rise and fall and when. He determines their boundaries. His purpose in all of this is that they should seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and are. As one of your own poets says it, we are the sons of God. If this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol made by men from gold or silver or chipped from stone. God tolerated man's past ignorance about these things, but now he has commanded everyone to put away idols and worship only him. For he has set a day for justly judging the world by the man that he has appointed, and has pointed him out by bringing him back to life again.
Paul approaches these men of Athens in terms that they understood. He quoted from their poets and made reference to their unknown God. But he remained in every sense biblical, never wavering from the message of Christ and his resurrection from the dead. Now here with our study is Pastor Henry Harder. The gospel faces the Greek philosophers. Paul is in the philosophic capital of the world in Athens. He was heard to speak in the marketplace about Jesus and the resurrection. The Greeks wondered if he was promoting two new gods called Deliverer, which is what the word Jesus means, and Restorer, which they concluded from the word resurrection. So Paul was called before the court of Areopagus, sometimes called Mars Hill. I need to explain that. The word Areopagus means the hill of Ares. Ares was the Greek god of war. There is a hill about 377 feet high just south of the ancient Greek agora or marketplace or forum. That hill was known as the Hill of Ares or the Areopagus. The Latin or Roman name for Ares, the Greek god of war, was Mars. So we sometimes see this hill referred to as Mars Hill. There was a court that at one time met on the top of Mars Hill, but later their meetings were in the northwest corner of the Agora below, in what was called the Stoa Basilius, that is the royal Stoa. When Paul appeared before this council, the meeting was probably in the Stoa and not on the top of the hill since the hill could not have accommodated the crowd that evidently had gathered to observe the proceedings. The council would meet on the top of the hill, especially to pronounce sentence. There are two unhewn stones on the top of the hill. On one called the stone of courage stood the accuser, and on the other called the stone of ruthlessness stood the accused. Paul, of course, was not on trial, but he was being examined by the council to determine whether he would be giving permission to teach in Athens. By the time of Paul, this council had been reduced to the oversight of the educational, moral, and religious matters of the community. Now, what would you say to this body of intelligentsia? This was a crucial moment in the history of the movement of the gospel. A lone Jew faced a cultivated, philosophical, Greek, pagan audience. What would be common ground? That would be a good place to begin. Paul may have worked out carefully ahead of time what he wanted to say. Basic to every man's quest was a proper understanding of God. The Greeks had long worked on that problem. They hadn't gotten anywhere since the knowledge of God comes by revelation, not by exercising man's wisdom. God cannot be discovered by the processes of man's mind. With all its depth, Greek philosophy eloquently points out the fact that without revelation, God cannot be known. If he could, then certainly the Greeks would have discovered him. So Paul begins with God. That was a wise choice. Listen as I recite Paul's words to this elite group. Imagine this little Jew standing among those huge pillars, that colonnade, and speaking to those scholars and thinkers. Here is what he said, Men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. 
For as I walked around and observed your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. Now what you worship as something unknown, I am going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything, because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man he made every nation of men, that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he determined the time set for them in the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by man's design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. Here is a good example of Paul's speech to an intellectual pagan audience. He doesn't quote the Old Testament as he did with Jews or God-fearing Gentiles. He doesn't mention fulfilled prophecy, since that would be meaningless to these pagans. He does quote from two Greek poets and baptizes their comments to lend support to his. Paul establishes a rapport with his audience first. He calls them very religious. To these Greeks, that might have sounded like a compliment. It comes close to flattery. But flattery was forbidden when addressing this council, nor is that characteristic of Paul. But Paul does establish a friendly atmosphere. He commends them for their piety, for their extraordinary religiosity. Actually, others had said that about the Athenians also. Interestingly enough, Paul uses a vague term when he says to the council, you are very religious. While it seemed to be a compliment looking at it from the standpoint of the Greek audience, looking at it from the Hebrew perspective, it might have been considered as an insult to the Athenians. He uses a word that includes spirit beings, perhaps demons. It is a very carefully chosen word. In any case, he has established a common ground, a bond, a point of reference. While this opening remark seems to be conciliatory and courteous, Paul fearlessly and uncompromisingly presents the Lord Jesus Christ in clear biblical language. I'll come back to this crucial speech before the Areopagus tomorrow. While there weren't many, a few Gentiles believed. One was a member of this court. God always honors his word. The seed was sown. While initial response may be slight, we do not know the long-term results. They may be far beyond what we might imagine. God's word never returns void.
What's New is a radio production of Creative Encounters. Our mailing address is Post Office Box 848, Chapter California, 93263, USA.